Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode. I'm really glad today because I'm here with Johannes Mayer, Director of Product for Gununu. We share a very close relation because Gununu is also part of the New Work Group, where also Team belongs. Uh, Johannes, welcome to the program. Thank you, thanks for having me. Really happy to be here. Actually, before we jump, I would like for you to give us an introduction about yourself, what are you doing, who you are, and other things. A couple of things. So, um, yes, my name is Johannes. I'm based in Vienna. Um, as Nacho said, I'm director product at Kunudo, uh, which means I'm leading the product management, SEO, research, and UX teams. I'm with the company for six years now, which is quite a journey. But it was a super interesting journey, lots of progress, um, lots of growth. So um, very motivated and still um, super motivated to actually continue the growth. And yeah, I'm also part of Kununu's leadership team. So also shaping the strategy and the future of the company together. And yeah, basically that's a bit about me and what motivates me and what makes me get up in the morning. Despite <laughs> <laughs> a couple of other things. Great. I, I will probably take advantage of that uh, strategy part as well in this episode. But uh, for those of you who are not uh, aware of what Kununu is, can you give us some details? Yes, definitely. Um, Kununu is the largest employer insights platform in the German-speaking region, meaning that we want to give users a better understanding of how it is like to work at a company. And at Kununu, you can, for example, read the reviews about um, certain employers that other people wrote. You can see salary information, you can see cultural assessments of users, and it's users, so ex-employees, current employees, or people that made it through an interview process that share their experience about an employer, about a company with other users. And you can check that out on Kununu. And for the B2B side, um, companies can react to these reviews, or they can also give a statement about their culture for free. And if they actually want to have a profile with all the nice features, with all the nice pictures and videos and text and uh, additional things, they can actually buy a paid profile. Actually, that's a great introduction to what will be the focus for, for the episode today. So basically, we'll, I would like to explore this conflict or, or difficult balance that may arise having a, a very C-oriented product, but with uh, some monetization strategy that relies on the B side. So you'd actually need to probably be focused on, on value adding for both sides, which may mm. bring some, some tensions for sure, I guess. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe as, a, as, a, as an introduction to, to more uh, deeper questions in this, in this sense, um, can you give us some, I, would say, I don't want to say walkthrough because that maybe it's a bit, uh, a bit too long, but yeah. some insights on the last time you were preparing a strategy. I know you, you did it recently and you probably did mm. a few times already, but how that process or how those steps to create the Kununu strategy look like, what uh, process tools, uh, frameworks you have used? Mm -hmm. um, I did it the last time, uh, end of last year. So I'm doing it definitely on a yearly basis, but I'm also revising it and checking it, reviewing it on a constant basis. So really making sure what we do is still, you know, what should be done. And also when it comes to discussions within the leadership team, when it comes to new insights that we get from user research and so on, all of that could and ideally, if you listen to users and customers, should have an influence on your strategy. So I'm also make sure to <laughs> review it on a regular basis. Um, how I did that the last time is basically I like to go from the in German you would say from from groben ins feine gehen, which would mean something like you go from the <laughs> broader things to the more detailed things, because a lot of times in the past, also previous employers, um, I saw that what people understand is product management strategy or how to come to a roadmap, in a lot of cases for me, didn't make any sense. Because it's basically just a list of initiatives 
um, that was collected in some Excel file and then the people who screamed loudest in the room or the highest pit person in the room was then basically <laughs> <laughs> defining the, the roadmap and the strategy and whatever and that doesn't make sense. Um, so in my opinion there has to be some sort of um, yeah reasonable strategy, a process, a framework that you follow that you come to your strategy and um, in my case I like to start from the, the um, vision that we have so where we actually want to go. Um, ideally also thinking is in the in the longer term for the next five years and then as we are in the space of digital products as we know that what you envision what happens in five years in a lot of cases actually doesn't happen and it comes a bit differently but sort of making your thoughts what could happen where would you want to be in five years makes a lot of sense to me because then you break this circle of just thinking okay what could happen what is possible in one year um, and especially when you have the topic of also I don't know, technical migrations or mm. things that just take longer, then one year just isn't enough. So first thing is the vision, then our mission basically, why are we here and how do we actually want to achieve that? Um, and then the other thing that has a huge importance for me is jobs to be done. So our current CEO actually introduced this uh, concept at Konuno when she joined the company last summer. And sort of, I, I was familiar with the concept, but we haven't done it at Konuno so far. Mm -hmm. And this topic of really having these in-depth interviews um, with users and customers and finding out more about their needs and then actually digging deeper into the functional, the social, the emotional needs that you have. Um, this was immensely insightful actually to understand for whom we are building this, with whom it resonates, with whom it probably doesn't resonate yet. So I basically took um, you know, our vision, our mission as a company, jobs to be done, and then started um, the product strategy as some sort of, you know, tactics how to actually bring this to life and pay into that. And at the same time, we also um, developed our company level objectives because mm -hmm. we're working with OKRs for the last four years. Mm -hmm. So I think the combination of OKRs for the year and also the product strategy is then a good, um, you know, sort of good guardrails or like mm -hmm. where you want to actually go and, and how the year could look like. Yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting. One thing that you mentioned kind of uh, say quickly, and I, I know that's a, a stressful part of the, of the process, mm -hmm. is this jump between, okay, I have the mission, I know where they're going to go, I have the shops to be done, then to select the tactics, those mm -hmm. tactics will come also probably from, from insights, from things you are seeing mm -hmm. on your, kind of the current diagnosis and what next be, next needs to be done next. Mm -hmm. um, how would you describe that process of, of selecting the biggest opportunities? So how how actually you you pick from from those uh, yeah the, the space you have? Yeah, I think when you when you take our company level objectives, um, you have different objectives like um, reach or um, retention or satisfaction, and then it's a matter of um, I would say yes, you as a product leader should have a good understanding of what bring you forward, but it should not only be you but also be a strong team that you have and also be um, people outside of your sort of immediate product team. So what I did was I had meetings obviously with my team, but also with a lot of stakeholders, and then sort of presenting or like talking them through first ideas um, of how, in my opinion, this could uh, make a lot of sense and help us reach our um, objectives, and then actually got their feedback. And the feedback was, for the largest part, positive. There were a couple of things that I didn't sort of have on my radar yet, and then also talking about synergies um, because most of the topics you can do on your own. Um, I mean, of course, you're working very closely with engineering, but also when it comes to topics together with marketing, together with our um, community support team, 
and then you start to carve out ideas that um, yeah sort of when you actually pull together that would pay into that and yeah I guess sort of having a, having a good first understanding and then having meaningful conversations um, and then getting people in exciting them I think what was helped me or how I how I try to approach it usually yeah perfect so two uh, more concrete questions to that the first one would be do you have a company strategy that kind of goes besides this product strategy or how, how that looks in, in Kununu? Uh, yes, we do. Um, and this is um, sort of on a, on a more mid or long term five years view where we could be. And then it's also until end of next year. And then we break that down into what does this mean for the whole organization in terms of objectives for the next year. Okay, so okay. we do have that also for, for the company level. Okay, okay, so it, I, I, I guess I'm a bit higher level, right? For, mm -hmm. for the second, okay, perfect. Exactly, yeah. And the second question is more concrete. So how does this, uh, the result of the strategy process look? So what, what artifacts are coming out of this process in the product side? Um, yeah, definitely the, the strategy per se, because it's then important for me to actually also share that with the organization. Because when you do that in your own, I mean, you shouldn't do it in your ivory tower, because like I said before, talking to people along the way and then making sure sort of you get their inputs, get their get their buy-in, then product strategy, presenting that on different occasions. So really it reaches people. Also sharing that with the organization, be it in whatever, our so-called feedback festivals, other meetings, Slack, yeah. really making sure you, you sort of... Um, reach as many people as possible. But to then, make sure I, I get that correctly, what does this strategy per se means? Is it a document, a PowerPoint presentation? What is it? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a slide deck and it's nothing okay. that would, that would um, sort of um, blow your mind with a hundred slides that nobody anyways would have, <laughs> have the time to read. But I tried to stick it to, um, let's say, I don't know, 18, 20 or whatever slides. Mm -hmm. That really include also like like I said before going from the broader view to a more detailed view. Perfect. So also again summarizing this is the vision, this is the mission, this is our um, jobs to be done, this is our most important findings, um, this is the objective that we set ourselves as a company for next year. So this is sort of the the pillars of the product strategy that I would derive for this year, and then concretely broken down, that's what it would mean in terms of um, roadmap for the various teams. And yes, I'm sharing that as a presentation in a PDF format, and then people go through that. Perfect. perfect. Um, and they said that that's one. Is there anything else? Like, I don't know, maybe roadmap or other things? Yeah, that definitely. Can... definitely. Um, so a couple of different things. When it comes to the whole organization, we have our um, OKR file. Mm -hmm. So as I said before, we're working with OKR since four years. And there's an OKR file with all the um, objectives and all the key results, the current status, um, relevant links, uh, current status, comments, and so on for everyone accessible at any time. So that's extremely transparent. Um, we also have a company level roadmap, which means that's not only the product roadmap with product and engineering together, but really for the whole organization. So that means that you also find their um, <clears throat> marketing initiatives or PR initiatives or maybe really tech only topics that we need to stay performant and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and then you have the, the product uh, roadmap, where it's actually then more concretely about the um, feature teams uh, with their respective uh, focus, what they are doing, and then also some sort of specialized team within my organization when it comes to, for example, um, the research and UX team or the SEO team, and then also what they are doing on a uh, sort of in the course of a year. 
Yeah, perfect. That makes sense. Um, maybe this, uh, especially the goals part, will allow me to to introduce the next topic and, and be a bit more uh, deep dive on on this tension or this balance that we mm-hmm. have. So, when you have these objectives, are they all user center? Are they combination of kind of B 2 C user and B 2 B needs, uh, or how many you have for for each of those categories? How does it look? Um, when it comes to objectives. Um, like I said before, we've done them for four years, mm-hmm. and I think there were quite a lot of learnings also for things we didn't do well. Um, and one learning that we had um, last year to this year was, last year we had, I think it was three um, user-centered objectives and one B2B-centered objective, and then we had another one about the organization itself. Um, what did that mean for B2B? It meant that you have a dedicated objective but it also meant some sort of, okay, that's the B2B objective. And we actually wanted to avoid that you only think about B2B with just this one objective. So when we went into this year, we made sure to not have a dedicated or couple dedicated user objectives and B2B objective, but really make sure that they're more sort of about a topic. So like I said before, one objective is about reach, another one might be about um, retention, another one might be about satisfaction in general. And we try to always think of the B2C side and the B2B side. Mm-hmm. So we actually make sure, ideally, we think about synergies and not, okay, we think in the B2C silo and another team thinks in the B2B silo. And then we start thinking, okay, how could we actually pull synergies or does that even work together? But really, sort of from the very beginning, for each and every of those sort of topics, like I said, reach or awareness, really think it from both sides within this objective team. And then you have all the right people in place. And then you can also, within this team, already have discussions about, okay, this might be a benefit for the user, but it might be a disadvantage for the customer. So mm-hmm. how do we deal with that? And ideally, you find synergies where both sides profit. That's super interesting. I will, I, I will have never imagined that you do it that way. So that's interesting, <laughs> per se. But so when you say, for instance, we, we combine the B and, and C perspective in, I don't know, uh, retention, for instance, mm-hmm. are you talking about kind of seaside retention seen from both places or are you talking of combining the retention you have for for C users and the retention you have for B customers on the same objective? Uh, I think if I understood you correctly, it's rather the second one. So for example, if um, a user is writing a review, then a company, like I said before, free of charge can actually write their comments to this review. Yeah. And that's something we want to foster. So you have C activity of users writing a review. And we also want to foster the B2B activity by giving the opportunity to the companies to actually give their um, comment, give their opinion to this review. So they can see, okay, how they see it. And thus we think C side and B side from a retention perspective because you need to come back to actually write the comment. Then the user comes back to read what the company wrote. So we try to, that, that's one example how we try to combine it. That's super interesting, super interesting. And in terms of, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, but then I guess you have the monetization part that is more B-sided. When you said the retention, I was thinking about, hey, customers Mm -hmm. paying us year over year, not churning. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have that in a separate objective, a separate team? How does it work? Um, I think what's important for this to know is that at Konulu, when it comes to monetization, when it comes to really selling the product, Mm -hmm. that not we ourselves are doing that, but our uh, colleagues from Xing Yi Recruiting. Um, and what I said before is basically we, as of now, have um, a few different products. 
So you have this employer branding profile, which means that as a company you can buy this profile that actually makes you present yourself in the best possible way with videos, photos, uh, different uh, things you can upload and so on. And then also we have another um, product that's the employer branding profile professional where you have added features, added statistics, a couple of advanced mm -hmm. features. Yeah. Then there's also uh, a couple of different um, seals, like for example, if you qualify to be a top company, depending on the Kununu score, depending on uh, a couple of factors that only very few companies qualify, then you can buy a badge and use that in your employer branding. Okay. Um, when it comes to this, all of that is basically not sold by ourselves, but mm -hmm. um, from the colleagues in senior recruiting. And for this, um, I guess it even yeah, adds a bit of complexity because it's not only that you in-house then can talk about um, these topics, but actually then are in discussions with colleagues from a different part of the organization and um, yeah, make these make these conversations or these trade-offs then uh, with these colleagues. Yeah. This is getting super interesting, more complex than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the next question I have is, so uh, if I understood correctly, there is a, a very clear tension between, for instance, mm -hmm. how much I can monetize and how flexible I am in this, for instance, giving badges. So mm -hmm. you, you have an incentive of keeping badge kind of high bars just to, mm -hmm. to make sure that you are conveying these are exclusive or top companies yeah. Yeah. versus lowering the bar to have more potential customers. Yeah. How, how, does, uh, how, how is that decided? Um, I think it, it very much depends on your values and then also your credibility in a second, in a second step. So um, what is extremely important to us is the topic of transparency. So we want to make sure that when uh, users write reviews or they give salary data points or cultural assessments, if they actually comply with our guidelines, meaning if they are sort of, um, if they don't contain any personal information, if they don't make any um, statements that are sort of confidential information, whatever, we want these reviews to be seen for other, for other users. Um, and this is, I mean, the, the reason why this is so important is if we would not have this sort of principle of, of um, sort of transparency or honesty or credibility, then also for other users, there wouldn't really be uh, sort of a benefit to come to Kununu because you, if you can trust that information, if you publish uh, anything or if you delete reviews that some people might not like, then why go to Kununu because sort of they're, they're not sticking to principles in a sense. So I think that's super important. Um, and yes, sometimes balancing that between what's the user interest and what's the customer interest, they want something um, wildly different in some cases. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I think, in, especially in this regard, it's so important to be very sure about your values um, and your, your company strategy overall, which then helps guide you in specific decisions where the decision might not be 100% clear from the very beginning. I have two questions to that. So the first one is, the values that you are mentioning, is this something well-written somewhere that you can always refer to or is something that is more on, on, on the collective uh, knowledge of the people? <laughs> I guess it's very well written for us internally, but I think we could do a much better job of actually very uh, much better communicating that to the outside world. I think we could do a better job there. Okay, got it. But, but yeah. then, for instance, as a product manager, I will have this guy to refer to and say, hey, no, yes. I will not lower my bar because I have this principle. Okay, good. Yes, definitely. And the, the second one is around the, or the conflicted goals that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Is this something where you bring more people to the table? So my question overall is how this impacts the strategy. So I guess that when you are deciding, you are bringing 
two sides to the table, at mm -hmm. some point, two si both sides need to be heard. How mm -hmm. this is uh, kind of how these tensions are feedback into the, in the strategy to make decisions? It's <laughs> a very good question. I think, like I said before, ideally, um, we think about situations, think about a strategy where all sides profit. So let's say um, when you have um, high quality content that is trustworthy, that people find interesting, that is relevant, then you have much more users coming to Kununu. That's also our growth over the last years, which was tremendous growth. So this means that <clears throat> as a company, it's also much more attractive to actually be a part of Kununu and have a profile. So those are things that actually um, sort of, of live in a fruitful relation to each other. Let's put it like that. And then there are some cases where, um, let's say we publish a couple of reviews from people that um, don't have a very good impression of the company. And the company isn't too happy that we actually also have these reviews online. So they might reach out to the account manager and there might be discussions if we can take down these these reviews and so on. Um, and like I said before, I think it's important to refer to your values and then make a good decision. And um, also, this is where the, the part of bringing people to the table comes in mm -hmm. um, to then explain, okay, this is how we see the situation and this is how we would decide based on this and that. And then you, of course, have a conversation with the, with the colleagues from sales and hear their opinion. And I think then it's about really sort of finding a good balance between, okay, we need to stick to our principles, but we also need to understand sort of the company's position. Yeah. And I mean, if something, let's say, is clearly whatever confidential information or would clearly harm a company, we, of course, don't want that. Yeah. Um, and yes, um, sort of taking the, the um, outcomes from this discussion and so on, this is definitely something that is then circled back into the strategy. Um, making sure that if we didn't think of something and this could potentially be bad for one of these sides, we try to make that better um, by adjusting the strategy. Yeah, perfect. And one thing that you mentioned, I think that's uh, quite relevant, is kind of this uh, trustworthiness. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that the users will understand that there is these this, uh, competing forces for, for <laughs> you as well. So how do you, from a product perspective, how you uh, embed the product with this trustworthiness saying the user, hey, no, we, we care for you and not just for the money? How, mm -hmm. how is that plays out in the, in the product itself? Um, how it plays out is um, what we did as a first step was actually measure how is the people's sentiment. So when you have service from time to time and so on, then you get a good understanding. But this is not really something... I would say that that uh, suits for better insights or, or more regular insights. So what we actually did, um, I think one and a half years ago, was implement a on-site survey that's really all the time uh, available 24-7, where I mean, it's basically an MPS survey, where we ask mm -hmm. users, sort of, would you recommend us? And then what we look into in very much detail is actually full-text comments from the detractors. So if you would not recommend Kununo clearly, then why is that? And also we have a trustworthiness survey on the page and also there we especially check out the comments of people who would clearly not uh, find us trustworthy. And when it comes to this, we saw a couple of patterns. Um, one of them being that uh, people think that we uh, have fake reviews from companies. So this is something that we, that we look into very carefully. And the other thing is that people think we take down reviews just, be companies, just because companies want mm -hmm. them to be taken down, yeah. which is something that we don't do. Um, so we know that this is a this is a big issue. Why, which is why, for this year's product strategy, this is also one of the pillars of the product strategy. So we have one product manager and a dedicated um, engineering feature team, 
and then also people from our content team, from the market team, from community support, really working on this topic in a dedicated objective. Mm -hmm. And um, things that we want to improve this year is, for one, we already do quite a lot when it comes to trustworthiness, when it comes to keep high quality of the platform. I think we just don't do a really good job currently at communicating that. Mm -hmm. So when we talk to people, when we talk to customers and say, okay, this is what we're actually doing to make sure that you have good quality on the platform, um, in, a, in a lot of cases, you actually see surprised faces because <laughs> they assumed we're not doing that or just didn't know. Uh -huh. uh, and then they are, wow, I didn't know that you're doing that. That's actually, actually, that's cool. The first thing is really communicating that in all the relevant user touch points. The second thing is when you're writing a, a review um, or give a cultural assessment or a salary data point, we really want to make sure within this process already we make quality as high as possible. Meaning that within this process, um, we detect if you have bad intentions and um, sort of even if you have good intentions, we ask you to provide more context, uh, write more text and so on, that really also other users get a better understanding of why you see the, the things you see things. So mm -hmm. yeah. that's also a thing. And um, definitely the, the topic of um, detecting sort of bad intentions of people. Um, <laughs> let's say someone is, I don't know, left the company with a bad taste in their mouth yeah. and then tries to write multiple reviews uh, mm -hmm. trying to bash the company, this is something we don't want to have. So if you made a bad experience, then uh, if you stick to the guidelines, then share these these bad experiences. That's perfectly fine. That's what we're here for. But if you want to do it just three times, five times, whatever, just to harm the company, that's mm -hmm. what we're not here for. Yeah. So um, detecting these, these bad intentions is also a thing that we definitely want to make uh, a lot of progress this year. Interesting. And one more thing about the, the, the strategy, one more question is, you mentioned this, this pillar of trustworthiness. Does look, that, that looks like here we have kind of the more traditional strategy in case we have problem A, B, and C, and this is the order in which we want to solve it, or it's more like something that is a more, let's say, optimization side in which you are constantly reviewing small optimizations, like the communication stuff and things like that, and mm -hmm. it's constantly running out. How, how which of those will, will make more sense for you? <laughs> to be fully honest with you, I think it's it's more the former one. Mm -hmm. I think we should have started working on this topic with much more um, sort of focus earlier. Mm -hmm. We really start focusing, like I said before, really dedicated team, dedicated product manager, really dedicated working on this topic now. Um, and I think this will also help us to make much more progress. And then if it's a, if it's a topic of continuous improvements or if there are, sort of further big initiatives that can help us improve that, I think we will learn when we actually launch the first ones, get the first feedback, see how different metrics change, and then decide how to move on. Okay, perfect, perfect. Makes sense. Um, I'm curious now, the, going back to what we said at the beginning, saying we have these opportunities we select, I'm sure that for trustworthiness there might be a, a very big set of opportunities to pursue. Mm -hmm. Is there any any method or any way in which you say, okay, I will pick this one first to tackle the problem or how, how does selection works? That's a good thing. Um, I guess based, what we really did is for this, especially for this objective, um, we tried to look into the, the feedback from users really as diligently as possible. So um, to give a better understanding, especially when it comes to these service that I mentioned before, we have about, I would say three to 5,000 full text comments that's coming in on a monthly basis. Yeah. And uh, a person in my team and also myself, we're actually really reading every single piece of feedback on a monthly basis, really making sure we understand that as good as possible. And then I think you can derive sort of measures that um, 
that fit, you know, because you have a very good understanding of the user feedback. And then if you sort of carved out a couple of different initiatives, I think it's a it's like I said before, a topic of talking to other people, talking to other members of the um, organization, um, also thinking about what's the expected um, outcome, what's the expected benefit, putting that into a ratio, you know, mm -hmm. and then uh, start working on topics and measuring and um, definitely before you start building, think first about how you actually measure outcome. Yeah. yeah. To summarize that, if I hear correctly, is by being constantly exposed to this uh, stream of uh, user comments, you also get an idea of how big of a problem each of those are, so you have a, a stronger selection. Mm -hmm. um, and one maybe interesting question to that is, the outcomes you are thinking in this, again, going back to the, to, to the focus of the episode, the tension, I'm sure that you will have, uh, say, uh, counter KPIs from one side or the other, right? So you have, as I said, maybe C-side retention placed against B-side retention. So what's, what's the, the decision process there, or what's the role of the product manager <coughs> kind of making those decisions in those teams? It's a good thing. Um... I guess for one product is sort of a main driver of these initiatives that help solve problems. Mm -hmm. I guess for another part is this product has such a central role um, in our organization. And in my opinion, it should have uh, in, in other organizations as well, especially if you're building digital products. I feel it's also an integral part of the role to bring people together, you know, and, and sit mm -hmm. together and have a look mm -hmm. at it. So even if you might have a um, sort of idea, if you might have, come up with a with a framework to you know try to justify your ideas or how you would see things or how you would decide I think it's important to bring people together to the table and then um, have an open discussion of hey it, it could mean we boost this KPI at the same time I don't know it could mean we decrease this KPI um, and then be it within the leadership team be it then within the product team for sparring having open discussions what this could mean and then making a decision within the leadership team if you want to go this way or this way. Perfect, perfect. So if I if I were to be a product manager sitting at Gnunu, I would rely on, on the values that you mentioned were written, and then on whenever these trade-offs are, I will have people around me that can support make this the, this decision. Uh, okay, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Like I said, uh, values and definitely jobs to be done. So really, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So really, um, building it for the user, building it for the people, for the. Users yeah. and customers out there. By the way, for shops to be done, you have kind of this uh, B side and C side uh, separate shops to be done, right? We do have separated shops to be done, yes. Okay, good, good. What is, I mean, you mentioned monetization is kind of outside your group, but is there any um, role for the product team in identifying opportunities for um, mm -hmm. yeah, for monetization, like for instance, I know when you are, for instance, checking the competitors, I will assume that there is something that mm -hmm. you might find out there. Uh, is there a role that, that you actually bring to the strategy to, to decide what, how to monetize? Mm -hmm. um, I think I would like to differentiate. So when it comes to really selling the product, that's what I said before. That's what happens um, sort of outside of our business unit, but still within, uh, so <laughs> you know the company, you know the context, within the, the colleagues from um, Xing Recruiting that are doing a fantastic job here. Um, what we, so if you, apart from selling, when you take topics like um, customer satisfaction, um, customer mm -hmm. activity, customer retention, um, that's all topics that um, a dedicated B2B team 
and also a B2B product manager in my team is actually working on. So let's say even if we don't um, sort of ourselves sell the product, we, um, as I said before, we do very diligent market research when it comes to competitors, what they are doing, um, sort of in which specific areas, let's say whatever, be it reviews, be it salary, be it benefits, they are strong. Um, we did, when I was talking about jobs to be done before, um, this colleague, this product manager in my team did an amazing job together with a brand manager and a researcher actually having 20 conversations with customers, really in-depth interviews. Um, and also when it comes to B2B from a functional but also from an emotional and a um, social perspective, really bad understanding them. And so even if we're not selling the product ourselves, we're having a very good understanding of sort of a very high interest of understanding customers better and then um, how we actually can provide value to them. And if we actually deliver on that, if we provide value to customers, be it with better insights, be it with better uh, maybe recommendations, how to hire people, how to retain people, um, what what keeps people in your organizational organization busy, what, what's the feedback, what they think about working at your company. Um, and if we can help you, like I said before, in, in hiring, in retaining, um, then also we're doing a, a sort of massively important job when it comes to supporting the colleagues actually selling uh, our products out there or also um, prolonging the contracts. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I can imagine that the, the, the information you can provide to the sales teams is kind of the, the, the output that you can, they can expect from the product team. Yeah. Got it. Okay, I think that was super interesting and a lot of to, to digest, at least for me. So I, I learned a lot. Thank you. Uh, but one, one usual question I use for, for closing is uh, basically what I'm not asking, you know, the unknown unknowns. So what is maybe an important learning or experience you have around creating strategy, especially in this context that we have been discussing that was uh, important for you? Um, over the course of my career, I would say what I also mentioned before, bringing people to the table. So I think in the past, I thought I know all the answers myself. So first of all, if you think that, then maybe you're a bit ignorant. So <laughs> I can't know all the answers myself and also um, it, it's not my job. So really making sure you have a good understanding, um, you have a very central organization, but also making sure to integrate other people, you know, build something together, create together, and then also have their buy-in and support each other. Um, I think that's something I just learned over the course of the last years. Great, great. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and for sure, I will say the same. So it's a good, a good recommendation, good tip. <laughs> So to, to close uh, today's conversation, I would like to ask you a very uh, different topic. So some rapid fire question, one yeah. question, one phrase answer. So you can give me a lot of thoughts into product management. And the first one is, what is your favorite product manager interview question? Uh, I, probably what excites you and what frustrates you most. Um, because I love to see what uh, motivates people. And I also would like to see what people might not be uh, keen on and depending on what they answer then I could also have a better understanding of if they could be a good fit for the job and what comes with it interesting interesting I heard a related question that is kind of you know ranking your different skills and uh -huh. also gives you a taste of uh, how people <clears throat> what really like and what not and there's a sneaky one that I ask all the time um, and it's the, the question of how many tennis balls are sold in Austria per year you can also say how many cars are sold in Berlin per year. Or how many windows does it uh, do you have in Porto or whatever? 
Yeah. Um, I think this is typically whatever McKinsey or <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> interview questions. <laughs> but I love to see people's reactions and their train of thought and how to actually how they actually come to an answer. Yeah. So yeah, I'm actually of course, uh, I think that this has been thrown around for so, such a long time that maybe people is expecting them. So have you had people who kind of shamed to an structured solution, or is this that still novel? Uh, I, I, maybe some prepare, but I still see vastly different answers. So I see people yeah. saying 500,000. <laughs> uh, okay, why 500,000? Yeah, because whatever I think. And then you have people coming from estimations from the C side, people coming from estimations from the B side. Um, and mm -hmm. it's interesting to see these different trains of thought. Yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> um, so jumping to the second one, what is the most important tool you use in your day-to-day -day product work? That might be a lame answer, but I guess for me it's pen and paper. Nice. <laughs> Because whatever you do afterwards with whatever tools, I mean, that's fine. Those are tools and some work better for some people, some work better for other people. But like bringing your thoughts down and, and trying to structure it for me is just a piece of paper and a pen. Yeah. Nice. Nice. What would be one unusual book recommendation you will do for product managers? So not a traditional literature, something a bit different? I don't know if it's unusual or not, but maybe Grit by uh -huh. Angela Duckworth, because I think um, sort of the, the perseverance and really biting, digging into topics is something that you have uh, have to have a passion for when you want to succeed in product. Nice, nice. Really like it. Well, that's it from my side. Thank okay. you, Johannes, so much. I really appreciated the time. I really appreciated all the, the knowledge you share, all the, the details. So um, anything else you want to tell the audience where to you know, find you, follow you or something like that? Um, yeah, feel free to, to uh, look me up on LinkedIn. So if you actually check uh, or just enter Johannes Meyer and then Kununu, you should have a fair chance of finding me. And if you have <laughs> any questions, please um, feel free to reach out. And I'm, I'm more than glad to be in contact with you and try to answer these questions.